it takes multiple ways of working. It takes multiple models. God is working in multiple ways globally. And so how do we embrace multiple ways of working and carrying out the work on the field and yet still be highly, highly committed to this is God's word. Welcome to the Essentially Translatable Podcast, brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Richard Rudowski. And I'm Emily Wilson. And today we have the opportunity to interview President and CEO of Wycliffe Bible Translators, John Chestnut. And it is amazing how our partnership with Wycliffe Bible Translators USA has existed over the years. They're celebrating their 80th anniversary this year, and we've been partnered with them since our beginnings in 1964. Our earliest missionaries, when they went out into the field, they were partnered with Wycliffe Bible Translators programs. And you'll hear in the course of the interview how we are still partnered together in the Bible translation movement. And uh, one of our key partnerships is uh, finds its expression in the Illuminations Collective Impact Alliance, which we'll talk about also. So we hope you enjoy this interview with John Chestnut. We are glad to welcome today to the podcast John Chestnut, the president and CEO of Wycliffe USA. Thanks well, for being with us today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to our time together. All right, we're going to launch in and have our listeners just get to know you a little bit better. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved in the Bible translation movement, where you served. Yeah, so uh, my wife and I, uh, Kelly, just a little bit about our family. We have uh, we were in the pastorate for several years and then joined uh, Wycliffe in 2001. We have a large, large family, seven children. To stop and count here again, but three by birth, four by adoption. So adoption is very much part of our journey as well, too. And actually, the way that we uh, got into Bible translation, it was a little bit almost backing into Bible translation. Our early years of ministry was focused upon church planting, and that was really our our heart was church planting. And so people may ask, so how did you get into Bible translation? Did you get in the wrong line at a job fair or what? You know, what happened there? And uh, actually, what happened is that our church adopted a unreached people group in Asia. And as we began to engage, it was a very sensitive part of Asia. And as we began to engage, understand the community and such there, what we found is that there were multiple ministries that were attempting to reach this unreached people group, but the barrier was that there was no scripture in a language that this community could understand. And so it really came down to these other ministries were really stymied. They weren't able to to move forward. And so because of my heart really for church planting and wanting to see, you know, churches planted among all the communities that yet you know, that don't have it, we got into Bible translation because we felt that that was so critical in order to see churches planted, evangelism, discipleship to take place, that uh, you have to have scripture in a, in a language and form that the, that the people understand. So what role did you serve in? Because now you're president and CEO of Wycliffe Bible Translators USA. How did your journey, like with the organization, start out? So yeah, we ended up stepping away from the, the church in the U.S. that we had co-planted, actually. Um, and in 2002, we went to the Philippines. We served in the Philippines for nine years. And originally, part of our, really our, our initial calling, what we thought we'd be doing in the Philippines, was the Philippines as a country 
had been on the receiving end for missions literally for decades. And now what God was doing was the Philippines was becoming a sending country. Mm -hmm. And so what we wanted to do is to say, okay, so how do we work with the church in the Philippines really to see more translators and, and others sent out from the Philippines into Asia and beyond? And so because of being a pastor, that connection of being a pastor, then connecting with other pastors, you know, there in country was was really important. And so that was kind of our initial linkages there. That then led to, as often happens on the field, other needs that I picked up, worked with HR uh, as kind of leading our human resources area. And then for the last almost five years, they're moved into the role of field director. And so finished our term there really in the role of the country, serving as the country field director for all of our work in the Philippines there. So overarching, really a networker of people and making sure that the, the systems are communicating to one another. That's awesome. That's right. That's right. And it is a very large organization. Can you share a little bit about Wycliffe Bible Translators for those who maybe don't know, like what's the origin and what's the scope of the organization? So yes, Wycliffe USA just celebrated our 80th year. So I think we're in our 81st year technically now, but really the the reason for the start of, of Wycliffe 80 plus years ago was that our, our primary partner organization, SIL, historically, they were, they were started first and they were really the field side. That's where the work was taking place globally and such. And obviously back in the day, where communication took a little while longer to get, you know, uh, across oceans and such. But Wycliffe was really formed uh, in order to engage with churches here in the U.S. and to be really the sending kind of arm of the, of the, the greater partnership with SIL and engaging basically the recruitment, sending, uh, financial resources and such moving forward. So it really started with that focus of we would be kind of the home organization and then the, the the field organization was on the other you know around the globe literally today that has now expanded to our work as SL continues to be the our largest partner particularly in sending people towards but now we have over 30 organizations that we actually uh, second people to or send yeah. people to work in and around the world today so it really has continued to grow and expand that's amazing the origins are all Bible translation, and I know that really it's been the partnerships. How is it that you actually build those partnerships, and where is the, the emphasis and the, the real scope of Wycliffe Bible Translators? So yeah, the, you're right. Our, our focus has always been around Bible translation and then other supporting activities, you know, that, that help to see Scripture really get into the hearts and minds of people we want to see transform lives. And, you know, over our first really 60 plus years, seven years, that that focus really was upon sending out missionaries that they were really often the gospel presence and many times the very first gospel presence in any of these communities. The the global church was much, much smaller than what it is today. And and so that really was kind of the way that we worked. And we still work that way some. More and more what we're seeing is that we're actually engaging with what we call local expressions of the church. That's just kind of a, a fancy name to say believers in various regions of the world 
that are also focused upon a particular community and seeing them reach. Sometimes uh, those are people that are actually from within a community, individual believers, sometimes established churches, denominations and such, if they have you know been around longer. Other times they are people that would be ministries, churches and things that would be looking to engage with the community that would be completely unreached where there's no form or or known believer, you know, gospel presence in these communities. And so really what we're working towards more and more today is partnering with those different expressions. They take all shapes and forms literally today to to see the work carried out more and more. And so that's, I think, uh, specifically right now, we're up over a thousand partners that we're working with globally today. Now, before you get kind of awed by that, sometimes a partner can literally can be one or two people, you sure. know, that are in an area that are really focused on a. So these aren't big groups; they're really all shapes and sizes of the of the global church that we really have the privilege to partner with to see these communities have God's word in a, in the languages and forms that serve them. So we're going to talk about the Illuminations Collective Impact Alliance a little bit here, mm-hmm. but I actually wanted to take a step back from that, and I'm remembering 2003 was my first contact with Bible translation, and I was talking with Lutheran Bible translators as a seminary student, and already then they were talking about Vision 2025, which comes out of mm-hmm. the Wycliffe SIL environment. So let's talk a little bit about Vision 2025, what that is when it started, and, and how that kind of maybe leads into the or at least has a part in the Illuminations Collective Impact Alliance. Yeah, so uh, Vision 2025 began to, I think that it goes back many years, but yeah. really towards the late 90s, 90, 98, 99, we began to look at the current work the best that we could see and looking particularly among the smaller languages around the world, which is historically where Wycliffe has, you know, focused, was Wycliffe and partners have focused. And as we began to look at the current pace of, of translations that were starting at that time, collectively, the best of our knowledge of all agencies kind of working together was about 25 a year. And, and as we kind of played that out and looked at the known number of languages that we were aware of at that point in time, it looked like even before some of these would even be started would be 150 years at the current pace. And we just said, you know, that's just, I don't think that's acceptable to God. I, it certainly is not acceptable, you know, to, uh, to us, we just didn't feel that um, that that's what the Lord wanted to see happen, and so began to really ask the Lord, are there ways that we can work differently and look different, you know, uh, engage differently than what we're doing right now? That was really kind of the the DNA of, of Vision 2025, and so really before the Lord, knowing that this is way beyond anything we could do, that we began asking the Lord that by the year 2025, that uh, our prayer is that we could see these remaining languages at least started. So Vision 2025 was really about starting. And so we have seen that pace now go, you know, the overall number has gone way, way down. The The challenging part is that we've also learned of new languages that weren't on our sure. list back then. Yeah. And so it's a little bit of growing on one side, you keep after it. But uh, today, we are hovering just around, just below 1,400 languages still to go. Back in that day, known was about 3,000 languages. But there's been a whole lot more coverage other than just those 1,500, because like I said, the list grew from what we knew back in 99, 2000 time. Right, yeah. And uh, that's part of the, the catalytic nature of a goal like that, is that you begin to work and look different 
differently and, and approach things differently, right? And then that does yield maybe a faster pace of starts, but also yields discovery of things that you might not have discovered or might have taken hundreds of years to find out, right? So that's... That really is true. And I would say almost embarrassingly, embarrassingly so, one of those big discoveries is, is largely overlooking the deaf communities of the world. Mm. And, you know, we knew that sign languages, they were a real thing, but it wasn't really a focus as much as it, it could have been, should have been, I think, at that time. And then really kind of in the uh, in the mid-2000s, we see uh, a new kind of rising up of understanding of, of global sign languages. And from what we had on our list, at least in the in the 2000, mid-2000s there, we added some 245-plus sign languages that they were not on that list. And so that was just one area that unfortunately was almost overlooked by the Bible translation world up until that time. Certainly wasn't overlooked by the deaf communities, but it certainly was by many of the hearing communities around Bible translation. So then when you go back about 10 years ago, a little more than 10 years ago now, you have the genesis of what has become the Illuminations Collective Impact Alliance. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about what the alliance is, what its purpose and goals are, and who all is involved in that. Yeah, so the the vision for this alliance really was, I think God placed it on the heart of our friend March Green, yeah. actually back in the, in the late 90s. He was at a, a Bible translation a dedication in Guatemala, and the Lord began to really work on his heart about was he experienced this community that there they had been involved with in helping to fund the printing of this scripture in Guatemala. The Lord began to really deal with in his heart about what would it look like to bring multiple agencies together rather than having a bunch of agencies that were just out there working independently, working hard. But what would it look like? to come together and might we be able to do more together than what we could do as a, as a grouping of individual agencies. And so that was really where God, I think, began to place that vision on his heart. It wasn't until 2010 that there was the first gathering of some of these agencies. And I think at the time there was around four that started together and began to think and pray and dream together. That today has moved to where we have 11 agencies that sit around this one table anyway. There's other things that happen outside of that. But that was really kind of how it got started. And that's now how we're operating today is 11 plus agencies and, you know, moving forward. And so it's been a, for me, this has been one of the most exciting things I've been able to have the opportunity really to participate in, in my, my years of ministry. So the collaboration between these 11 organizations is really unique. And before we go into that broader scope, let's take a look at also the partnership that's existed since Lutheran Bible Translators beginning in 1964 between Wycliffe and Lutheran Bible Translators. Can you share an example of how we not only come together and discuss Bible translation and increasing our innovation and partnerships around the world, but also how we we just in general, sharpen one another? Yeah, I, first of all, I'll say just uh, my appreciation and for Lutheran Bible translators and the ability to, to partner together. They're, one of the things I appreciate is many things, but one of them is just a like-mindedness of heart, you know, that we we collectively have a heart for the nations. And, and how can we collectively, along with other partners, work together 
to see that great picture that Revelation, you know, points towards that will happen someday of people from every tongue, tribe, and nation that will be gathered around the throne. And, and LBT is, is, a, is a key partner in that. I've appreciated the fact that, you know, as we have looked in various our organizations working together in, um, in countries um, where we share staffing, where we share, you know, even uh, collaborating on projects and such of working together literally around the world. And as we were talking about, you know, before we started, even looking ahead to, to new opportunities where we're on the front end of looking at, at ways, particularly, say, in the Pacific, Papua New Guinea and others, that we're really at the at the beginning stages of some new things that God is doing in that region of the world, as well as other places around the world, but then looking at new ways to partner. And so with the local expressions of the church there. And so again, shared mind and heart, areas where we've actually shared staffing and resources together on the ground, and then looking ahead of ways that we can continue to partner and working together again, that we can do more together than what we're able to do uh, as individual standalone uh, organizations. And so I'm really grateful for LBT. Yeah, and I, I'll jump in there too. From We historically, over the decades, uh, Lutheran Bible translators, personnel, and partners have benefited from training and methodology development from the Wycliffe SIL world. I myself am a, a product of of that as well. And so we definitely have appreciated that that ongoing partnership and that that support. And then uh, I just want to also say that, you know, in a meeting that John and I were at, steering committee meeting in January, one of the goals that John said that Wycliffe had for this year to contribute and, and you know, point toward the all-access goals of the Alliance, um, which we'll get to here, was that Wycliffe would use its, you know, formidable footprint and, and experience to support and other movements and and to give assistance to and and to help where that would be necessary and that's what we have found to be true and again you mentioned Papua New Guinea as we're having some of those conversations that the personnel involved in PNG have said yeah we have resources and influence and things here but where it makes sense for Lutheran Bible translators to be more of a leading partner with the partners on the ground we want to be behind you and support you and that's much appreciated and I think in the uh, in the alliance Wycliffe USA is one of the largest organizations, if not the largest in the in the alliance. I, I don't know how we count things like that, but I know we're one of the smallest. And just the way we sharpen each other that way, as a small organization, we can, you know, think strategy and and talk to the local expression very easily and share some of that learning for you know bigger organizations. And we can benefit from these partnerships with bigger organizations that have uh, resources and influence and connections. So it's been really a, a rewarding partnership. That's awesome. Being able to see like that micro level of how we are working together. So looking at the macro level and the Illuminations Collective Impact Alliance. So if we can talk about 2033 and the the vision and uh, that goal, but also what makes this kind of collaboration unique in mission and ministry? I mean, the years that I've been working in Lutheran Bible Translators, I'm not hearing that kind of level of partnership between organizations all coming together. So let's talk a little bit about Illuminations. For me, as I mentioned earlier, Illuminations um, and this this alliance has really been uh, one of the most exciting things I've I've had the opportunity to participate in really in our, certainly in the Bible translation space, but really in all areas of ministry, I would just say. And I think that the 
I really believe that what we're seeing before our eyes is God doing something unique, maybe unique in this space anyway, but I would say growing. I think it's a we're we're seeing a movement of God where around the world that he is bringing together partners that historically have not partnered together well, at times even been at odds with one another. And so and it's it's bringing together literally partners of all shapes and sizes, denominational blends and such. And I really see that this is just kind of, this is one of the movements of God that we are seeing around the world today as never before, I think maybe in the history of the world. The E10, uh, we call it a collective impact alliance. And you can Google that. There's some papers out there about how that all kind of works together. But, but in essence, it really is, how can we work together through synergy to do more uh, together than what any of us could do or a combination of us could do individually. And in this particular case, we really have kind of two main domains that we've been partnering together. And both of them at times from a human perspective can feel kind of risky. One is on the field side, looking at ways that we can partner better together uh, globally around tools, strategy, those types of things. And that's probably a little bit more digestible for some. But when you begin looking at raising funds together, that's like, oh, wait a minute. Now we're actually, you know, sharing relationships, sharing, you know, in some way the, the purse strings and some of that. And uh, I think our default setting as humans sometimes is, is a scarcity mentality is I don't get mine. Well, I get Will I, will I really get it where what we've seen actually happen is just the opposite is that as there's been this open handedness in generosity that God has actually multiplied those that are participating in on providing resources. And so, again, it's it's been a, a hugely exciting time. I will say it's also been one of the hardest things we've we've done as well, too, because working together takes real effort as well, too. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The the generosity on the the donor side, the investor side of things is is stunning and is really myself coming through and reaching the the CEO position here in this organization from the fields from from the operations side. It's encouraging and a challenge to me to say that open-handedness and faith that is there on the investor side, both that God is going to do a new thing and then that these organizations and our leadership and our influence and our partnerships can make it happen uh, with the Lord's help. It's really encouraging to and challenging <laughs> to lean yeah. into. And yeah, the, the collaboration from the operational side is the goal is that now it's 10 years, so 2033 by 2033, every language community would have a meaningful portion of Scripture. And, that, and for many of them, that's the New Testament or the full Bible. There are a few, well, a number of, of smaller languages that would, you know, the goal is some portion of Scripture lower than that. But that's the, the objective is to reach that. And just like Vision 2025, it's catalytic because once you say, that's what we would like to see happen, and we pray for the Lord to give us wisdom and give us resources to make that happen. He starts answering that. Then you discover new things, and you start working in different ways. And, you know, as a leader, you you hope to achieve that goal, but you also have it open-handed in, in God's hands and say, we know God's going to accomplish what He wills to accomplish. And if nothing else— the, the goals of the Collective Impact Alliance are catalytic towards something that the Lord is doing in this season. And so working in the, the alliance is, uh, it's unique. I think 
you know, one of the questions we have is we think about collaboration between ministries. Being now in the Bible translation space, this collaboration is becoming more and more familiar. And then I, I take a step back and look at ministry world overall and see that collaboration like this is very unique, you know, and for reasons that you said, some of which are the trust to to collaborate on resource development is a whole different thing, but also the trust to collaborate on field work and bring different values to the table and find where there's the the common ground instead of focus on the distinctives is a that's a thing that you also sort of find is possible in alliances like this but is also one of the challenges i, I would fully agree with that yeah i think that one of the things that we as a illuminations uh, alliance came to about a year and a half maybe two years ago is a, a key phrase that we talk about is both and Meaning that, you know, it really isn't about one one form or one model, that one's better than the others. And, and sometimes when you kind of pair them against one another, then that's, it can become competitive-ish, you know, of, you know, which one's going to kind of win out. But the both and component that we've talked about is that really, it takes multiple ways of working. It takes multiple models. God is working in multiple ways globally. And so how do we embrace multiple ways of working and carrying out the work on the field and yet still be highly, highly committed to this is God's word. We want accuracy is so important, uh, the integrity of God's word. And uh, and we're going to work collectively to get there. But many times getting there is taking different pathways to to those same shared values. And um, and so I think that has also helped to maintain the unity where we can acknowledge that it's not just one form. It really is God's, God's working in many ways to pull this together. Yeah, I agree. And the, the Lutheran audience listening to this podcast will recognize that both and is something that we as Lutherans bring to the table. I don't know if we brought it to the Alliance or not, but it's definitely the way, <laughs> the way that we That's think awesome. about things theologically <laughs> and everything as well. But yeah, I really appreciate that perspective. And I think that has been a very noteworthy development in, in recent years to just to say that that's a that's a possibility and to open up the category that that is a possible way of thinking about the work uh, and the the abundance mentality that that opens up instead of a scarcity mentality mm-hmm. so we're looking at the next 10 years uh, to reach 2033 and this beautiful goal that the alliance has what what's next if we are able to accomplish our goal lord willing that is that is our hope how does it look for the future with the Alliance? Well, you know, I was asked this question a while ago and kind of looking at my age and tenure, you know, I'm hoping to make it to 2033-ish in this role of the Lord. And, you know, my quick response is not my problem, but uh, that mm-hmm. probably is not helpful, you know, where you're <laughs> where you're going there. I think practically speaking, what we're going to see beyond if we truly are, we collectively are truly successful in seeing God, um, if God answers our prayer in this area, is that more and more we are seeing the efforts of the the Church of the Global South and East that are really rising up. More and more are they taking on more of the of the focus of the ownership and such that doesn't take anything away from the Church of the West because the Great Commission was given to the whole church. But what I do see happening more and more is that as the as the global church is growing in their ability to to carry out their own ongoing translation efforts, that our role from the West will continue to change and morph of coming alongside of 
and continuing to help and ask, are there gaps in what others are able to do that maybe we could come in and partner with and to help fill? Some of those may be in funding. I think we're going to see that decrease over the next 10 years because the Global South will be raising up resources that look different than how we often have participated. But I think we're going to see more of that happen. And I would say the same thing on the technical resources. Um, certainly prayer and, and such is always going to be something that this is about the whole church. But I really see that over these next 10 years, we're going to see this movement become much more global, of which we are a part of and will continue to be a part of. But I think the form and the way that we engage will continue to morph and shift throughout these next 10 years and beyond. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. When looking ahead, it's hard to envision what things will really look like 10 years from now and how we or our organizations will be part of that or what our organizations even will be is all. It's uh, in the Lord's hands. It's exciting. And yeah. You were talking about your tenure and, you know, and maybe you'll be there with 2033, Lord willing. But You've had many experiences throughout the course of your time with Wycliffe Bible Translators and seeing days of great joy and days of challenges. But what is it that sustains you? What is it that brings you joy in your ministry? You know, you're right. And I I think the day and age that we're in as uh, globally leaders, we feel this uniquely, is that I really believe that we are in a we're at a season in the history of the world, or maybe even more eternity, that we're just seeing God's spirit that's being poured out on the earth in ways that I don't know we've ever seen, we've ever experienced before, maybe ever. And uh, and just, we've talked about some of this, the way God's bringing together partnership and collaboration and things. And so that's kind of on one side of just incredible blessing and things that are happening there. On the other side is I feel like the heart is getting harder. And I, and I don't know today, at least in my life, I don't see as much living in between the two. It feels like it's often living more in these polar opposites of just incredible blessing and hard getting harder. And so for me, you know, realizing that, continue to walk in faith, knowing that God is not caught by surprise on any of these things, even the blessing side of the heart. And so I can, I can rest in that. I think for me, the part of the real heart motivation, obviously, you know, that, that picture that we see around Revelation 7, 9, uh, you know, people from every tongue, tribe, and nation over the history of the world that are going to be gathered around the throne. And we get to be part of that. We get to be part of seeing that day become a reality. And for me, that's probably the biggest thing that I, that keeps me going is just the fact that that God has allowed us, God's allowed me to participate in what he's doing globally. And I cannot imagine any other job that has the opportunity to have impact like the roles that we're in right now. And so I just, I don't take that for granted. I count that as a huge privilege and thank you, Lord. And and at times, why me? But really, Lord, just what what an incredible privilege. And that really is what keeps me moving forward uh, day after day. That's awesome. How can we be praying for you and for the Illuminations Collective Impact Alliance? You know, I I think this is one for all of us, is that when out and about and talking with different groups and things, 
often one of the questions that I get asked at the end, which is like a perfect setup question is, what would you say is the greatest need for Bible translation? And, you know, particularly if you're talking to donors, that's like the perfect, you know, setup. And the way that I've answered that has been that, you know, obviously prayer-wise resourcing, we, we need more people. Uh, we're looking for more financial resources. I mean, just to continue to, you know, to keep this global movement going and, and participating with our contributions. We're only part, obviously, of the whole. One of the things from a donor perspective that we've, I, I'm sure you have heard as well, too, is that as the donors have viewed this collective impact alliance of working together, it has inspired them to participate more. Yeah. So the open-handed generosity that we have worked to by, you know, letting go of uh, names and people and things like that, you know, that sometimes you want to hold on to make sure that we get, you know, our portion um, as we've had an, uh, you know, had that open-handedness and continue to work towards that, the response by um, those that are stewarding resources has just been overwhelming. And uh, we hear that story over and over and over again. That's been really reaffirming that we're on the right track together. But I would say probably for me, the greatest need as I see uh, for Bible translation is pray for unity. Pray for unity among among the workers, you know, down to the very teams, all the way up to these global organizations. Because I will tell you that what we're seeing the blessing, I think, is in and around unity and how God is working in that. But as you know, when disunity comes, that just it drains you. It sucks all the energy. It takes time. That's that's what keeps me awake at night. You know, the situations that they're not going well and you're praying, Lord, how do we work through this? And so I would say really a prayer request that I have, and I think really for all of us, is that continue to pray for unity, that God would keep our hearts and minds soft and tender towards him and to one another so that we can continue to journey together. And uh, we know that delights the heart of our Father. And so that we would just be obedient that way and continue to die to self so that we can we won't be a stumbling block to uh, to somebody else. I won't be a stumbling block to, to somebody else. That's That's probably my main prayer request. Thank you so much. We will definitely be praying for unity for Wycliffe Bible Translators and the Collective Impact Alliance as a whole. And we are so thankful for the unity that we have in being able to partner together. Thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. Well, thank you for the opportunity and so grateful for what God is doing in and through Lutheran Bible Translators. And uh, thanks for journeying together. Really grateful for all of you. I really appreciated the opportunity to sit on the podcast with John and also as a CEO talk a little bit about some of our our collective partnership and really appreciated the perspective John brings as CEO of Wycliffe and having a much larger role, especially in fundraising than I do, that donor generosity component of how as the alliance has grown and said to the the investor community, there's an opportunity here to do something big and, and we're not worried about which organization it is that's doing it, but that we're all doing it together, that that has resulted in increased investment toward the goal. And that's really the main thing is the goal that people would know Jesus because they have God's word in their heart language. Mm-hmm. And that prayer for unity, I was reminded by in the gospel of John of how Jesus prays for the unity okay. of people in following him and uh, just that that beautiful image that we have 
of the throne room and that we are all going to be unified, even though we are all from different tribes, nations, tongues, we're unified in having been covered by the blood of the Lamb. And what we find in being unified in this Bible translation movement is on our own, we, we cannot accomplish this great goal for 2033. But together, sharing resources and trust, there, there is hope that the Lord is doing immeasurably more. So want to encourage you all to not only pray for us for unity of heart and mind and spirit, but also to check out what the Illuminations Collective Impact Alliance is doing. Uh, you can visit illuminations.bible and see a little bit more about the movement and who all is involved in this incredible journey. Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. You can find past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org podcast or subscribe on Audible, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. The Essentially Translatable podcast is produced and edited by Andrew Olson. Our executive producer is Emily Wilson. Podcast artwork was designed by Caleb Rodewald and Sarah Radowski. Music written and performed by Rob Bite. I'm Richard Rodowski. So long for now. <laughs>